we just lift Joe to you right now? Father, I thank you for the word that he's about to bring. I thank you, Lord, that uh, it's going to point to your, your loving son, Jesus. And this word, God, is going to be for people to receive and to be set free, Lord, and to know the goodness of God. We pray, Lord, that you would bless Joe's words. I pray, Lord, his words would be like sweet manna to everybody here who receives it, Lord. And I pray, God, for those of us who receive the word that bring, uh, Joe brings, God, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open. I pray our hearts would be hungry. And I pray, God, that it will renew our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to be back at New Day. Um, yes, amazing open field. Uh, I want to start by saying I'm basically going to break all the rules tonight. Um, make some noise if I've got any fellow rule breakers. Hands in the air. Yeah, youth leaders, you know to keep an eye on. Yeah, you just snaked yourselves. Um, I'm going to break all the rules because uh, this is sort of what's happening tonight. This is the first night back at New Day for three years. Um, I would, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I would say about 50% of you probably have never been to New Day before, which is, again, amazing. There's no big top. This is the first time we've been out in the open air. And so all of those things would probably mean that the rules for me tonight are that I should uh, almost ease you in a little bit. You know, let's kind of just, it's a bit of a warm-up, like a pre-season friendly, kind of a nice, simple message, uh, very easy to understand, just to kind of get us back into what it's like to be at New Day. But instead, what I'm going to do is preach from a, uh, the Old Testament, the, the first part of the Bible, from a passage that I'd, I probably imagine that most of you haven't read before, uh, written by a bloke called Ezekiel, who, though you may have heard the name, you probably don't know much about. Uh, and so we're going to do things a little bit different. Why? Uh, because I, I genuinely believe that God's given me a message tonight that will impact each one of you and has the power to change your life. And I'm not saying that to just try and hype something up or be dramatic. I genuinely believe it. I'm saying it because I believe it to be true. I believe that, that, that what I'm going to share with you tonight from the Word of God has that sort of power. And so whether you're here for the first time, tenth time, whether you're, you've been dragged here or you're happy to be here, whether you're kind of unsure how it's going to go this evening, whether you're going to get a little bit cold as the, the evening goes on, let's just hang in there because I believe it will be worth it. And so I'm going to tell you a story tonight about some shepherds and some sheep. Any shepherds? Didn't think so. So I'm going to tell you a story for, about some shepherds and some sheep, and in fact, it's from the book of Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet. And in those days, the way I likened to a prophet was, uh, in my day, when I was at school, uh, they used to do a role called office duty. It was the best job, because basically, you got out of lessons all day. And you were sat down by the school reception, and you just had to deliver messages to different classrooms. Things like, you know, take a message to little Tommy. Tommy, I know you forgot your PE kit but your mum's going to bring it in for you. you know, those sorts of messages. And you just spent the whole day as a messenger. Well, in the Old Testament, prophets essentially, they were messengers from God. God would give them a message that they would then have to give to all of the people. And Ezekiel was one of those. He was a prophet. And in this story we're about to read, God has given him a message. God has said, right, Ezekiel, I've got something for you to say to the people of Israel. And that's what we're going to read from Ezekiel 34. So you can turn... There in your Bible, if you've got one, it will come up in a moment. And we're going to read from verse 1 uh, together. So let's dive in. The word of the Lord came to me. 
Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed, the injured you've not bound up, the strayed you've not brought back, the lost you've not sought, and with force and harshness you've ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. We'll skip down a few verses. Verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I'll seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I'll feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places by the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I myself will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. This is the word of God. It's really simple what we're going to do today and in this passage. It starts off with a problem. We're going to look at the problem. And then it takes us to a solution. We're going to look at the solution. And then we'll have an opportunity to respond to it. Uh, But before we do any of that, this whole passage from the Bible is one big metaphor. Hands up, you you remember what a metaphor is. I was an English teacher for a few years, so I'm just kind of waving it out. Uh, Anyone English their favourite subject? There's a few. Not as many as I'd like. I'll tell you what we'll do, actually. On the count of three, I want you to shout back to me what your favourite subject in school is. Right, so, one, two, three. I've got a home time down the front. Lots of PE. I heard a few science. I didn't even know maths. I did. Maths is rubbish. Let's just get that out in the open. Maths is rubbish. Oh, wow. There's a few maths stands found the front. In fact, hands up, is there any maths teachers here? Stewards, can we get them out? Yeah, let's get rid of them. Let's get rid of them. No, I, I didn't, me and maths didn't get on in school, but it, I'm, I'm sure for some of you it's a fantastic subject. Uh, but I'm going to talk about English. Yeah? Um, so in English, as you know, a metaphor is when you, when you state something is something else. It's really simple. Life is like a box of chocolates or a roller coaster or whatever it is. It's a metaphor. You say something is something else. I could look at each one of you and say, you are a star. You're not literally a star, we're just saying you're something else. Well, 
In the Bible, the metaphor of sheep is used loads to describe us as people. Nearly 400 times the Bible says, you're like sheep, or you are sheep. And that often in that, God is the shepherd. And so this whole passage is kind of this metaphor talking about us being sheep. And, and to be honest, I don't know what image, we're in a field, I don't know what image is conjured up when you think of sheep. You might think of kind of fluffy, uh, nice kind of images. My, my little girl, Grace, she's two, she loves sheep. She's got a little sheep teddy here with New Day. She loves sheep. And, uh, you know, and, and you might too, but sometimes I think with sheep, it's kind of like the, the insta versus reality. Because in, re, in reality, sheep, they're actually not that white. They're kind of an off-white when you get close. They, they actually stink. They, they smell not nice. Covered in fleas. And the biggest thing of all is that sheep are really, really stupid. They are. Sheep are thick animals. Sheep are not like cats or dogs. And tell you what, this is one other thing. I might lose you here, but we're going to do a, a cat v dogs quickly. Um, so we're going to make some noise for, for dogs, then we'll make some noise for cats, right? So if you're team dog, make some noise. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. I don't know if I need to bother. Team cats. Okay. Let me tell you this, I don't like cats, but I love dogs. So Team Dog's the winner. But the thing about both, I've got a young man here barking now like a dog, which is great. Let's see if he can carry on the whole sermon. So cats and dogs, although different, are very similar. They're both intelligent. They, they can find their way home. They can get themselves about. They're not stupid. Sheep are not like that. They're really stupid. A sheep, if it gets lost, it cannot find its way back. The only way to get a sheep back to where it's been lost from is you have to literally tie it down, pick it up, and carry it all the way home. They're stupid animals. Sheep, they're pretty helpless as well. They can't defend themselves, which is why they need a shepherd. If if sort of any predator wants to come at a sheep, they're going to win. In fact, you're right. You could probably beat up a sheep. I don't recommend it. But if it came to it, you'd fancy your chances. Sheep, they're unable to defend themselves. And so when the Bible keeps calling us a sheep, in many ways, it's actually a big insult. You're like sheep. Sheep are stupid animals. They easily lose direction. They easily wander off in different places. And so it's a big, even now today, if I was to call you a sheep, it's kind of like, oh, you follow the crowd. You're just kind of easily led away. You're like a sheep. And so it's an insult when people are called a sheep. But the Bible does it time and time and time again, refers to us as sheep. And then in this passage, it refers to shepherds. When he's talking about shepherds, he's talking about the leaders of the day, both religious leaders and non-religious leaders. So kings and priests, they're referred to as the shepherds. They're supposed to kind of overlook and support and help and encourage. And so that's the, the, the kind of metaphor of the passage. So then we get to the problem. Well, what's the problem? The problem in the first few verses we get is basically the, the shepherds are doing a rubbish job. God tells Ezekiel, you need, to, you need to warn the shepherds and have a go at them because they're not doing what I've asked them to do. They're being selfish and, and they're neglecting the sheep. It'd be a bit like this. If you're a youth leader here, just, for a, just stand up for me very, very quickly. Just stand up. Let's give these youth leaders a round of applause. 
They give up a week to come. Look at that, amazing. Big round of applause to your youth leaders. Okay, take a seat, take a seat. Now, I want you to imagine this. Imagine if when you turn up to New Day today, you got off your coach or your minibus or whatever it is you got on, and the, the youth leaders, straight away, they ran, they got their own bags, they went, and they said, right, let me get, make sure my tent's up. They got their tent up, get the airbed going on the pump. Get the airbed in. Make the pillow all nice, make it all lovely. Just, I've seen a couple of pillows and blankets. and There's some of you here tonight that will bring a pillow and a blanket and sit on the grass and take that same pillow back to your tent and sleep with it. That's not right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just putting that one out early. It's nothing to do with this. That just isn't right. Yeah? Bring a different pillow or a different blanket. But imagine if they did all of that, and then once that's finished, they said, right, I'm off to Cafe Froth, get myself a milkshake, give myself a hot chocolate, just chill out. And then dinner came round, and they come back, and they said, right, we're going straight to the front of the queue, loaded up their plates, three, four pieces of chicken, loads of everything. To the time you got to the line, the scraps left. Thinking, oh, where's all the, where's all the food? I know the youth leaders ate well tonight. And then once they finished their dinner, they said, right, we're off. And they darted off to the main stage here. Some of you, first time at New Day, you had no idea where you're going. You're just wandering the tents, getting lost, thinking, what's going on? I don't even know where this stage is, following the noise. If that went on all week, it gets to the point where you'd, you'd be saying, come on. Your parents would be getting in touch. Or, or, or even the church, or even New Day team saying, no, you need to sort yourself out, youth leader. You're not, you're not just here to look after yourself. You're here to try and look up. Most of you turn up, your tent was already put up for you. you know, you're here to look after the young people, to serve the young people, to make sure they're okay, that they're doing all right. And you would say, yeah, they definitely are. Well, well, it's the same thing back then. These leaders, they were put in position to look after the people, to look after the weak, to make sure those that were injured were cared for, those that have lost and gone away, that they're brought back in. But they didn't. They were just looking out for themselves. They, God had given them a job to do, and in fact, the things that he asked them to do, he says, you need to look after the weak, the sick, the injured, the strayed, those that are lost or are wandering off. But, but you're not doing that. You're just not doing it. And, and then he says, and you ruled with harshness and you're firm. That got me thinking of school teachers again. My GCSE science teacher was called Mr. Sidorenko. Have a go at saying that name. Mrs. Sidorenko, I felt for him a bit because my year 10 GCSE class, it was like the Wild West in there. My mate Nick once set fire to a heat-proof mat of a Bunsen burner. I don't even know how he did it. It's heat-proof. I don't recommend it. I definitely don't recommend it, by the way. I don't go back and, oh, yeah, we're going to try and set fire to a heat-proof mat. But there was, uh, Mrs. Sidorenko used to get so angry. Eventually, he would just, he would stand up and he would shout, all of you kids, he's like, you're like cockroaches. That's what he used to say. And then he would say, you know what? Forget it. I'm not teaching you no more. He'd go, I've got my GCSEs. I don't need the qualification. I hope all of you get a big fat zero. And then he should sit up and every lesson we'd come in. And so we just did our own thing. About two years. If it wasn't for a little AQA science textbook, I wouldn't have got a GCSE. I managed to get a C. That's four in new money. Yeah, I just about got by. But what was interesting is that he, his mentality in the end, he just became so harsh. And so angry that, yes, he didn't teach us. Mr. Sidorenko, if you're listening, I forgive you. We'll put that out there. This might go on YouTube. Or, in fact, is he here? That'd be amazing. Imagine if he was here. Sir, sorry, mate. Yeah. 
So I think, but he, he, he ruled with heart. He didn't do what he, the, the job he was asked to do. His job was, you need to educate and get these kids ready for Jesus. He didn't do it. He was harsh. And again, this is what these leaders were doing. They were, they were harsh. And leaders then were bad. But sometimes I look at the state of things even now. And I think it's some of the state of leaders now. And, it, and, it, and, and it's not a great picture. If I name a few, Putin or, or Trump or Boris or Kim Jong-un. All these kind of, you think, they've all been found out in the end for maybe not doing the things they're supposed to do. They rule with harshness at times and firmness. That you can see that the leaders in these days, they're kind of not up to standard. Or even some of the leaders that we would put ourselves in a pedal stool, maybe influencers or people that we admire or think are great, maybe your favourite music artist or your sports star and you follow them on socials and this and that. But, and they might be a bit of a shepherd, a leader to you. But the reality is they really don't care about you. Genuinely. They might say they do. They care that they're being paid. They don't care if you're having a tough week at school. They don't care about your mental health if you're having a difficult time. They don't care about your family situation. They don't care if your mum and dad are just recently split. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. And so we see both then and both now, we have an issue with those that we would call maybe leaders in society. Maybe influencers in society that, that actually... They don't fulfill this role of being a shepherd the way that God was asking them to do, the way that God would expect to say that we need. And in fact, sometimes it's not even people because sometimes when we get fed up with people, we end up putting other things as our shepherds, the things that we think will look after us. Maybe our friends, maybe money, maybe popularity, maybe fashion, maybe grades. These things that we think they will look after us in some way. And I can almost guarantee that there's some young people here today, some of you have come, you're feeling a little lost. You're feeling a bit unsure. Some of you thinking, I don't know what to do the rest of my life. I don't know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Some of you are feeling wounded. Some of you have been let down by leadership. Some of you have been let down by people that should have been in authority positions, that should have been looking after you and they've done a rubbish job. And so we're all in this scenario where we, there's, a, there's a big problem. But thankfully, my, the talk doesn't end there. It's part one, the problem. Well, let's look at the solution. Because when we skip a few verses on, we see that there's a solution. In verse 11, God says, you know what? Here's the solution. The shepherds are not cutting it. They're doing a rubbish job. There's no one that can really care for these people. These people are vulnerable in a difficult spot. So what am I going to do about it? Behold, he says, I, I myself will come and be their shepherd. I'm going to come. And, he, and in the text, he says he's going to come and do two things. One of the things he says he's going to do initially Verse 11, 12, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to rescue my sheep. I'm going to come and rescue them to save them because we need rescuing. Again, when you think about sheep, they really need rescuing. And so what does God do? How does he come and be shepherd? He says, you know what? I'm going to send my son, Jesus. And when Jesus walks the earth, you may be familiar with it. There's a really kind of famous passage in John 10 where Jesus is, is amongst leaders. He's amongst his friends. He's amongst people and he gives this speech and he tells the people, he says, listen, I'm the good shepherd. They would have all been thinking about this Ezekiel 34 passage, written years ago, that there's going to be a, a shepherd who's going to come. He says, listen, I'm the good shepherd. A thief comes to steal and destroy, but I come to give life. I'm a, I am that good shepherd. And you see that he picks up this theme time and time again. In Matthew 9, what does he say? He says, listen, he looked on the crowds, looked on crowds like this. And he had compassion on them because they looked like sheep without a shepherd. 
Or you could read Luke 15, the parable that I'm sure many of you know, where Jesus talks about if there's 99 sheep, I'll leave the 99 sheep to go and get the one. If one goes missing, if one little lamb goes astray, I'm not going to leave it. I'm going to go and find it, and I'll tie it back, and I'll bring it home, and I'll bring it back. So time and time again, he talks about that he is this shepherd, that he's come to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus said he came to do. I've come to seek and save the lost, and that'll be some of you here this evening. And when you read the, the stories of Jesus in the Gospels, it's just all over it. That's all he does. I could tell you a story. You could talk about Peter and Andrew, two brothers, Simon Peter. They're just out fishing on a boat. And Jesus walks along and he says, I'm going to travel over. So he goes and he finds him. He says, you, you two, you're going to follow me. I'm going to be your shepherd. Another time he says, you know what? I'm going to get in a boat and I'm going to travel over a lake just to find a man who's possessed by demons, bound up by chains. I'm going to set him free and say, you know what? You have come. I'm going to be your shepherd. I'll go over lakes. Or he finds himself in the middle of a desert, practically, up at a well. He goes, I'm going to go to a well and meet a woman who's considered an outcast by everyone in her society. And I'm going to come and I'm going to meet with her and let her know, I've come to be a shepherd. Or I'm going to walk along a dusty road and meet a man who's got no sight, who's blind, and people shun him and don't look after him. I'm going to go, I'm going to find him, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to be a shepherd. Or he goes to the edge of Jericho. And he finds this little man up in a tree, Zacchaeus, and everybody hates him because he's a tax collector. And tax collectors are like the scum of the earth. And everyone hates him. No one wants to know him. And he comes and he says, you, in the same way that a, shepherd, a sheep might get caught up in a bush or a hedge, and you kind of pull it down. He sees, he sees him up in this tree and he says, everyone else looked down on Zacchaeus. He looks up at Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to pull you down. You were lost and searching and seeking, but now you've been found and I'm going to be your shepherd. He does it time and time and time again. That's what he does. He does it time. He does it then. He's done it now. He's done it in my life and he'll do it in yours. Some of you here tonight, Jesus is saying, you've been seeking. You've been searching. You need to seek no more. I'm going to be your shepherd. That's what happened to me about 15 at New Day. Not out here. We was in a big top. Searching. Wondering what am I, what's going on in life. Is it just living for the weekend? Is he just living to try and accumulate as much stuff as possible to, get, to, to kind of crack on with girls, to, to, to hang out of powers? Is, is, there's got to be something more than just this. There's got to be something more to life than just kind of just trying to enjoy the weekend and thinking about money. And, and, and There's got to be more to life than that. And I realized I was like a sheep without a shepherd. And I was looking for all the wrong things that I thought would satisfy me in the way that only a shepherd like Jesus could. That's 15. I've never looked back. Some of you, that'll be you tonight. The good shepherd is saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to find you. And it says in the verse, it's so relevant to us today. Because as we've been scattered in a day of clouds and thick darkness, sometimes you look at these days and it feels a bit like clouds and thick darkness. There's pandemics, there's wars, there's racism, mental health at an all-time high, suicide rates at an all-time high. Sometimes you think things look pretty bleak. Things look pretty tough. In those circumstances, he says, no, I've come to rescue. But not only has he come to rescue, he says he's come to nurture. Verse 13 and 14, he says, that once I've saved my people, I'm going to make them, he says, I'm going to feed them. They're going to eat on all the mountains and the ravines, and I'm going to feed them with grass. They're going to lie down, and they're going to be able to enjoy themselves. They're going to be fed. They're going to be satisfied. Now, 
I don't know too much about sheep. I may surprise you. But one thing I do know about sheep is that, and most animals, to be honest with you, when they're sat down, lying down, it usually means that they're pretty satisfied. When they're hungry, they're, they're going from place to place, trying to find a bit of grass to eat on. And so sheep, they're kind of going from this field to that field, to that patch, to this patch. They're kind of just hungry. They want more. They're not satisfied. But when they've eaten enough, they just want to lie down. They're chilled. Most of you, in fact, there's a lot of similarities between sheep and teenagers. Yes, I'm calling you all stupid and smelly. Not yet. As the week goes on, some of you will stink. What I mean by that is not just about food. I know you always want to eat and you'll keep going and going and going until you've had enough. But what I mean by that is, is as teenagers, even as people, we're so easy just to wander off and try different things. Maybe this. Oh, that wasn't quite what I thought. Maybe that. Maybe if I kind of can find some satisfaction in, in this thing. Do that for a while. Not satisfied. Okay, maybe it'll be that thing. Do that for a while. And we kind of just wander. We're just wandering from place to place. I see there's so many. So many t- they're just wandering, looking for some satisfaction. Unable to find it. And this is exactly what this passage is talking about. And he says, that, no, when, when I become your shepherd, when I kind of, literally, when I become your shepherd, when you know Jesus, you're satisfied. When you know Jesus, you're satisfied in a way that nothing else can satisfy you. That you feel like you're one of these sheep who's happy just to lay down and say, you know what? I've got it all. I've got Jesus. I don't need to chase this. I don't need to chase that. I don't need to chase after this. I don't need to worry about this. I don't need, I've got Jesus, the great shepherd. And so he comes and he says, this, this is the solution that I was coming to bring you. And in fact, in verse 16, he then says, and I'm going to do all the things they failed to do. In verse 4, it lists these kind of four things they failed to do. And in verse 16, he says, they didn't do it, but when I come, I'm going to seek the lost. Some of you here tonight, you don't even realize that Jesus is seeking after you. You don't even realise it when you got off the coach. You thought you were just here for a holiday. Jesus is seeking the lost. He says, others, he says, those that are scattered, I'm going to bring back. Those that have gone wayward, you've lost your way. Even the last three years, you've had new day, no new day to line you back. You feel a bit like, oh, I've kind of lost my way, Joe. I feel a bit scattered. He said, I've come to bring you back. He says, I will bind up the injured. Some of you feeling injured, wounded, hurting. Both physically, maybe emotionally. Mentally, you're hurting. The good shepherd says, I've come to bind up the injured. And the final thing, he says, I'll strengthen the weak. All of us need strengthening. And so we see this, this glorious solution, this kind of wonderful solution. He says, I'm going to come and do all these things. And so the last thing I want to say tonight is, well, how? How will he do those things? Well, he tells us how we'll do it. He says he's going to lay down his life. The good shepherd will lay down his life. Now, before we move on, let's just talk a little bit about shepherds. Yeah? Sometimes I think, when we think about shepherds, we just think of kind of old blokes in a flat cap and a beard, maybe a dodgy knee, floating about on a field somewhere, kind of, you know, in, in the countryside of England. There's not many shepherds where I'm from. But you couldn't be further from the truth of what shepherds were back then. Shepherds in these days, they were tough. Honestly, they, you wouldn't want to pick a fight of a shepherd. They were strong. 
Because, and one of the reasons they were so strong is because a shepherd's job was to defend the sheep against any predator might come against it. Wolves or bulls or different things that might come out. So they were, in many ways, they had to be on guard. They were on duty. They were, they were tough. They were like battlers, warriors. So they spoke about David was a shepherd. And so it kind of helps us to understand that because, you know, there's some real strength in that there's shepherds. And some shepherds, if you were like a bit of a, a coward shepherd, when you see the wolves in that coming, you just completely bottle it and you just run. You think, sorry, you can have the sheep. But they had to stand firm. Jesus stands firm. It, it reminds me a little bit is um, when I was in about year nine, in my school, the, one of the best days of the year was snow day. Anyone relate with that when it snows? Oh, it's unbelievable when it snows because it's just carnage, you know. You just and there was a, on my school field there was this little cricket square, and everyone knew that this little cricket square kind of each year group would try to take it over, and it was like we're gonna we're gonna dominate. It's kind of had these little ropes around it, and you'd get in it and you'd be like, this is our patch, no one can come in. And often it'd be the older years that once they got it, there was no getting it back. But I remember once, me and my mates, we got out real early, year nine. We dash out, we get in the square, and we were all kind of geeing each other up. If they come at us, we stay. Yeah? No one run. No man duck out. Everyone stand firm. As soon as about half a dozen year 11s come running to you, you know what happened. Half the group just bottled it and just ran. Suddenly you're looking around and you're like, there's, there's, there's few and few and few of us. Until the end, there's about six lads in the square who just get absolutely battered by a load of year 11s. You know, snow in the face, just all sorts. And, 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 and some shepherds would have had that sort of mentality. They see some things running towards them and they think, I'm out. I don't fancy that. I'm, I'm going to run. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. He says, no, I'm, I'm the sort of shepherd who will die for my sheep. I'm the sort of shepherd who will lay down my life for my sheep. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, one of the things that's recorded is that, that as he's there hanging on the cross, it's recorded that he said some words. He probably would have sung the whole psalm, a psalm, a song that they used to sing, Psalm 22. You can go and read it. And it's almost, again, it's kind of a prophecy of what would happen. And, and what's really interesting in that psalm is that one of the things that it says in it is it talks about animals like coming against you. It talks about bulls and lions that have got their mouths open, ready to devour my flesh. And I think Jesus is thinking like a shepherd when he's singing that. Because even elsewhere in the Bible, sometimes it talks about sin like that. So in the Old Testament, there's two brothers, Cain and Abel. And Cain, you've got two brothers, and they basically end up in a bit of a fight. Brother dies. And what does God say to him? He says, oh, what are you doing? Sin was, was crouching at the door, waiting to devour you. You kind of get this image, that's what it's like. Or later on in the Bible, it talks about the devil being like a lion, kind of prowling, waiting just to devour you. And you see this image of that's what kind of sin is like. You've kind of got these, this, this, this sin is coming after you. Shame and guilt and, and kind of your mistakes, your pre they kind of come after you. And we see that in life because sometimes when, when you make a mistake or when you sin, let's take lying, for example. You tell a lie, it kind of comes after you because you end up having to tell another lie to cover up that lie. Anyone ever had that situation? I'll tell you a good one. When I was about 14, 15, me and a few of my mates, we used to like to go up to Trafalgar Square in, in central London. Uh, but you would, I do not condone this, please. We wouldn't tell, you know, I wouldn't tell my mum. 
So I would just tell her I was going around a friend's house and then we'd kind of jump on a train and we'd go up into, into Trafalgar Square and just have a laugh and it'd get quite late. And then I remember you'd time it, like you've got to be back by a certain time, right? That was, that was like my mum's rules. And I remember we, we, we just missed the train. And so I'm standing there in some Charing Cross station thinking, oh no, what's going to happen? So I get on the train and I'm on the way back and my mum calls while I'm on the train. So I'm thinking, I'm in trouble here. So I answer the phone. She's like, ah, oh, it's quite noisy because it's, it's like a Friday night. It gets a little rowdy on that. She's quite noisy. I'm like, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people around Rob's tonight. Um, she's like, oh, okay. Um, I thought you were going to be home about now. I'm like, oh, no, yeah, we're just staying a little bit late. I'll be home soon. Then she says to the line, oh, I'll come pick you up. <sighs> Listen, whoever turns down the lift home, I'm like, no, nah, mum, is fine. We'll get the bus. Like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll come pick you up. So I'm like, no, mum. Rob's mum said she'll drop us home. I thought that'll work. And then she goes, okay, let me speak to Rob's mum. Because my mum wasn't born yesterday. Okay, let me speak to Rob's mum. How long can I keep this going? She's in the toilet, mum. Okay, I'll wait. And then in the end, I just had to say, Mum, I'm actually on a train on the way back from Charing Cross. And um, I got in trouble. I won't tell you exactly what, but there was consequences for this kind of accumulation of lies. Mainly, I couldn't go out for a little while. I can't even fully remember what it was, but I knew I got a real rocking when I got home. And, 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 and the Bible talks about sin like that. We're all familiar with the fact that when we sin, there's a consequence for our actions. It's really simple. And the Bible's really plain that the consequence in the end for our sin and our mess and our foolishness is death. That's what it leads to. In the end. And so Jesus says, I'm going to come and be a shepherd because there's no other shepherd that can protect you against that. There's no other shepherd that can protect you against sin and guilt and shame and, and hurt and pain and grief. No one else. You spend your whole life looking, you won't find it. You can find it in another person, you can try, you won't find it. You can find it in a thing or an idea or a career or whatever it is you want to try and find it in, you will not find it. Any other shepherd that you try to kind of follow and put in, in the end it will lead to you perishing. In the end it will lead to bad news. Because it won't do the thing that you need it to do. It won't do the thing that you're hoping that it does. It will not save you. It will not save you in the only way that Jesus can. Because that's exactly what he was getting at when he came. And he said, you know what? I'm the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And I will lay down and die for my sheep. Essentially, this image of sin crouching like a wolf, waiting to come after you. Guilt and shame and your mess and your mistakes and your rubbish and your past. Waiting to come after you like a wolf. And we're shepherds in a pack. What does Jesus do? He sees the wolf coming and he stands in front of it every time. And he says, no, you take me. I won't get out of the way. You take me. And when he dies on the cross, that's exactly what he does. He says, I'll give my life. I'll pay the sacrifice. You take me and they'll go free. And that's what happens every single time. When things come after you, you can rest assured you've got a good shepherd. He says, you know what? I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep. I want to finish by saying this. 
as a teenager, or even as adults here today, I said, there's so many other things that we could search our lives trying to find for. Trying to find that thing that will satisfy our soul and will save us in our darkest time. And I've mentioned loads of them tonight, money and grades and, and girls and boys and this and that. But in the end, they'll all come up short. And you have an opportunity tonight, even this week, to be reminded again of the good shepherd that you have in Jesus Christ. The good shepherd who says, I've come, and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you've seen. If you turn to me, if you turn and say, Lord, I'm gonna, I, I'll turn away from that, I repent of that, and I'll follow you. He says, I'll be your good shepherd, and I'll bring you home. And if you're wounded and hurt, and you're feeling in a bad place, and you're not sure where you are with God, and you're thinking, oh, ah, Joe, I've not really been New Day, and I'm kind of here. Can I really come in? Is God is still, God's still for me? He says, no, I'm your good shepherd. I'm going to carry you and bring you home. And if you're hurt and you're wounded, I'm going to heal you. And I'm going to help you. That's the good shepherd who came to lay down his life. That's the good shepherd who says, I've come for you. And he says, that's where I know your name. He says, there's, there's, there's sheep that are not yet of my sheep pen. I've come to win them. I've come to find them. I've come to seek them out. And I've come to bring them home. And that's some of you tonight. He's come to seek you. He's come to find you. And he's going to bring you home. So what we're going to do now is, in a moment, is I want to give an opportunity. For those of you that aren't Christians, maybe for those of you that have never known God as your good shepherd, you've never kind of put your trust in Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a moment. And the way it's going to work is, is a way that we've, we've never particularly done it here before, but listen, there's no roof, so let's do what we want. The way that I'm going to do that is in a, in, in a little while, I'm going to ask you just to simply stand up and walk to the front. And some of you might think, that sounds a little bit drastic, a bit bold. Why don't I just, you know, what might be easier? For, why don't I just go and stand down the stage just over there where there's plenty of space and say, if you want to see Jesus, as you could, come and just speak to me. Almost like we're doing a little drug deal or something. Yeah, let's come. No one needs to really know. Which keep it, I'll keep it to myself. Hey, yeah, listen, don't worry. You know, I'll write your name down. Ah, it's nonsense. The Bible says that if you deny me before man, then I'll deny you before God. To be a Christian takes courage. To follow Jesus takes courage. So getting up and walking along a field is nothing, really. But there's some of us tonight that even as I see thinking, yeah, you're feeling lost. You know, I don't have a shepherd. Tonight, Jesus is seeking you out and he's calling your name. And what's going to happen is you'll come down the front Maybe a youth leader will come with you. We've got, I've got some friends down here who are basically just going to pray with you, help you, take you off. They'll take you away. We'll pray. We'll chat. And then you'll be able to come back and, and join in. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what? I don't know if I'd want to come. Ah, oh, coming on my own. Seems to you can nudge your friends say, come with me. They'll say yes. But in a minute, I'm going to count down. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you feel like, you know what? I want to know Jesus. I want to know him as my shepherd. I felt lost, but today I want to come home. Then I'm going to ask you to stand up and walk straight to the front. And after that, we're going to worship Jesus. So I'm going to count to three and we'll do that now. One, two, three. Down you come.